Welcome back, you space travelers and melody makers, to a special episode of the BLT Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm ready to take you on a solo voyage from the melodies in the classroom to the star-speckled vastness of the cosmos today. So find comfort in your favorite cup of tea, Coke Zero, Gatorade, whatever you're drinking today as we embark on this journey together. Welcome to the third installment of this little experiment of mine. I have been so, so excited to be able to continue this and find my way around this whole idea of mine to to create a podcast and talk about whatever the heck I want to talk about. And oddly enough, there's been so many of you that have had interest and so many good things to say about this little experiment I've been running. So first of all, I want to thank you all for the kind words, the feedback, and I don't know, the overall good vibes that I've gotten from so many people uh, in just the first two episodes that have come before this. So thank you for that. Today's episode is the third part of um, a little bit of playing around with how these episodes should go. And I know I said from the very beginning, this is an experiment. I guess that's the vocabulary word of the day, experiment. As you see, the first episode was a little bit of solo and a little bit of collaboration. I said my piece, I did my monologue, I brought Francisco on, and we had some group collaboration and just, you know, chill talking vibes um, outside in the living room. And then the second episode was only collaboration with Ivan and Nathan, and we started off and ended the episode together. Um, and then the second half of that is length. The first episode was a little bit shorter. It was like 30, 40 minutes. The second episode went a little too long and I did not plan for it to happen, but I had a lot of fun. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. (laughs) So this time it's just me. There's nobody else in the room. I'm sitting at my desk talking into a microphone, like a, I don't know, a silly, crazy person staring at my computer screen. And so We'll see how this goes. I promise you it's not going to be a two-hour episode, but sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Today, we're going to talk about a myriad of topics. Uh, one, I kind of want to give a life update and a little diary entry from what's been going on in my life, um, as well as in my work life. And then we're going to get into a couple of interests of mine. And as you could guess from the cheesy intro, um, that topic is going to be space, space-themed. Shout out to my colleague at the high school that I've been working at, Daniel Ward. He came up to me after the first episode and he said, can you like talk about space or space facts in your next podcast? I said, sure. (laughs) He doesn't sound like that, but I hope that was comedic. And uh, (laughs) anyway, so what have I been up to this last few weeks? Well, here's the secret. It's been a lot. It's the tail end of marching season, so we've had back-to-back kind of like competitions and so many crazy rehearsals, and I'll touch on that in a minute, but also uh, medically in a, in a personal kind of space, I've had a lot going on too, which I guess I'll, I'll lead with 
I went to the optometrist as someone who's been envious of people with glasses my entire life uh, and some person who has more than once worn blue light glasses to appear more sophisticated whenever I'm in a a suit and tie or something uh, semi-formal. But I went to an optometrist because I was having some weird like headaches, uh, like some eye strain. And honestly, I kind of just wanted to go get an eye exam because I thought it would be fun. I'm going to get roasted for this. But anyway, I went. um, It's a really interesting like hybrid experience where the doctor was like on Zoom, but controlling the machines. And anyway, I ended up needing a prescription. So I ordered my first pairs of glasses and I'm going about a week strong on those. I'm super happy with the the frames that I picked, but I'm starting to understand why people are annoyed by the fact that they get to wear glasses rather than me who thought that they were just an accessory. Um, But yeah, I'm wearing glasses for the first time. Um, Another big thing that happened is I was diagnosed with an arrhythmia this summer and having some weird heart issues. I actually went to go donate plasma uh, to make some extra money, broke college student vibes. And funny enough, the the guy that was doing my physical was like, hmm, got up, left the room, called another person in. Hmm. Did you know that you have an irregular heartbeat? No, I did not. So I went to the doctor, got referred to a cardiologist. It took over two months to get that first appointment. And I had to wear a heart monitor for about a week. And I got the results back a couple days ago. And they said that they couldn't find a definite arrhythmia, so it's not AFib. But there is a significant number of skipped beats. And so I've started a new uh, prescription for beta blockers which is a very hot topic of conversation, especially in like the music performance world uh, in terms of like treating anxiety and stuff. So yeah, not only am I a four-eyed nerd now, but I am trying to navigate a diagnosis with something that we still don't fully understand. Um, and to be honest, scares me a little bit. And I don't, I don't want to say that it scares me just for the sake of, I don't know, wanting just <laughs> to have something wrong with me so I can talk about it. But my family has a history of some heart issues. Um, and I have a best friend who had a heart transplant at, oh gosh, 19 years old, 19 or 20 years old. And so I know it's very serious. And, you know, I went through some very, very, very tough anxiety Um, and some really weird episodes, um, around August and September. And I really started to notice that this heart issue was kind of manifesting in that. And it makes me question whether, you know, it's just a temporary thing caused by stress, um, or things going on in life, or if it's just something that's going to be lived with for a long time. So I won't know any of those answers until December. That's when my next follow-up is. But I don't know. It's interesting to say the least. Um, if you don't know what a beta blocker is, it essentially like blocks your, um, I don't know, receptors that want you to release um, 
epinephrine or, or adrenaline. It essentially slows down your heart rate. They often use it for anxiety and lowering your blood pressure. So we'll see if my heart stops skipping beats literally every four or five uh, heartbeats, which has been kind of crazy. So that's going on medically. And the rest of my life is school and working. And uh, this last Saturday, we took nearly 400 kids to El Paso to compete in an area marching contest, which is honestly the most awaited weekend of the year because I have the fortune of working with a program that is highly successful um, and has been increasingly uh, successful over the last few years and has gone to the state marching contest. But there's that high kind of expectation of um, continuing that tradition as well as placing higher and higher. And so it's been a very, very, very busy couple weeks and an entire semester to make sure that this group um, of kids in this high school program achieve that. And so waking up at 530 in the morning for, um, you know, 7 a.m. morning rehearsals and staying until 7 or 8 um, for whatever reason or even later, 9, 930, 10 o'clock at night for evening rehearsals. And I just want to say before I even talk about the contest, these kids are amazing. They've been having so much fun. I've been having so much fun and learning so much from them. And even though it's been so much work and so much business and, and trying to reach a goal and refine a product, it has been super fulfilling in the process. So taking 400 kids to area, uh, about 350 plus all the parent volunteers is around 400 uh, involved nine charter buses, two semi trucks and a pickup with a uh, 15 foot, 20 foot trailer on it. And I was honestly not prepared at all for the chaos that that is. And fortunately this group knows how to do it really well as far as feeding and transporting and lodging so many people super eye-opening and we went there and we had a really good run for prelims but had a little bit of drama we were tied for first uh, but ranked second because of judge preference there's some really weird judging things going on and so we were all a little bit stressed out uh, the kids were angry um, at the group that had been placed before us and we kind of turned that anger and frustration around and we won that contest. Like we didn't like, oh man, like we won. Like, yeah, it was very close. It was a good competition. We kicked so much tail, you know, like we were first by a mile and it was so awesome being in the stands when the announcer was counting back from the top seven bands that went to finals. And when they said that the group that we tied with in prelims were now fourth place, we already knew that the race was won. And they counted down third place and advancing to state, second place and advancing to state. And when they didn't say our name, that's when we knew that we had been the gold medalists. And I've never been a part of a program that has won something like that. And so not only was it so fulfilling to see the reaction of the kids who were yelling and jumping up and down and 
and shouting our, our school's chant. Uh, but also for me, even as someone who didn't march on that field to have ownership in winning something, <laughs> I got a little bit emotional. It was, it was so cool. And so with that, we earned a berth to the state marching contest in San Antonio. And that's what's coming up this weekend. I'm recording this about midweek, uh, about October 25th. And we're in the Alamo Dome. Again, nine charter buses with 400 people uh, Monday and Tuesday of next week. And gosh, this show is phenomenal. Um, I am so happy to be working with there. And I at least wanted to share that awesome news <laughs> that, you know, we hopped off of a bus that took forever to get there and it was hot and we were tired and there was so much other like little things bothering both the staff and the kids with logistics, you know, because of construction and just the way that that stuff goes. And we won that contest. And so I really hope the kids are proud. I am super proud. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the next thing. But to diverge a little bit from high school and marching band craziness, because I know that some of you think that there's more to life than <laughs> the life that I get to live. And I apologize. Um, I'm also a student teacher and I've been working at the middle school and having some really good experiences there, getting a lot of opportunities to teach and learn the kind of, um, I don't know what the kind of person and, and instructor that I aim to be, which has been really fun, but there has been some incredibly difficult moments too, which I guess are, are the moments that are, I don't know, the most motivational, you know, um, the ones that really teach you a lot of lessons. And I had some of those this week. We have a concert coming up, a Halloween concert. So there's been, you know, a lot of pressure to, to kind of get that music worked up and that's not stressful at all. Um, because even though it can be better, the kids are having fun and if they're having fun, I'm having fun, but the beginner's man, I don't know who thought it was a good idea <laughs> for sixth grade boys and little children to, uh, I don't know, have to flip a switch from elementary school uh, and middle school and be responsible and, and try all these new things because it's necessary, but man, they have not gotten the memo. <laughs> And this isn't an, an opportunity for me to, to trash talk or anything about a situation because honestly, um, we have really great procedures um, in that band hall that that help cope with that. But I've had my, my patients tested a little bit. Um, for example, you know, we're about midway through the semester, you know, 12, 13 weeks. And the first six were entirely about setting up procedures and ways for students to come into classroom set up their instrument, how they're supposed to act. You know, there are some days where we would let them get their instrument out of their locker and they're being loud and we'd have them pack up their instrument, put everything, lock their lock, go back in the hallway and we'd just do it again and again sometimes. And the days where you think that everything that you've taught them is sticking <laughs> and that, you know, you're making progress, then the next day is two steps back. 
And I know that's the name, the name of the game and, and that things happens, but I don't know. I've been learning a whole lot about patience and I don't know, experimenting with ways to, <laughs> I don't know, get the point across that isn't getting um, brought across. So for example, yesterday, our, uh, the head director at the middle school was sick. And so me and one of the other um, associate directors had to lead the afternoon classes. And so with the seventh and eighth graders, both low brass and trumpet, um, you know, I ran that rehearsal. We got a lot of work done. We were going a hundred miles an hour trying to play through this music and work on things. Um, and it was super fun to finally get to hear, um, I don't know, cohesive musical thoughts. And we got to ninth period and from the very get go, they come in loud. It takes like an extra five minutes for them to get ready. And at this point we should have been like five minutes into instruction. And I had to just sit there quietly on the podium and finally, when I have their attention, I break it to them. You know, I'm completely honest. And I say, um, <laughs> y'all, I had such a great day today. We had some really great classes. But then we got here and we're so far into the semester. And it seems like everyone has lost their minds. <laughs> you know, we should have. We should have gotten to working five minutes ago, and now that's five minutes less that we get to play and get better on our instruments. So let's turn this around. Let's, you know, have a good rehearsal. Let's focus. Let's get into gear. Let's do this. Flash forward about 20 minutes, and we're still not done with rhythm. You know, I had taught them about dotted quarter notes or reviewed them, to be honest, and uh, they just weren't getting it. And so we we're working hard on this line. And so they were just really squirrely and unfocused. And we finally got done. The other teacher took out the euphoniums. And so I had the rest of my, the class to myself and it just, it just broke down. And, you know, I had a conversation with the directors after, and I know it's all a learning experience, you know, about, <laughs> you know, I almost had them pack up early. They were just being very, very immature and I'm approaching everything from a professional point of view. And uh, I don't know, like they're making animal sounds. They're, they're just completely unfocused. And one really helpful quote that one of the <laughs> associates said was, you know, whenever I'm in one of those situations, like with that class, I just think how much, if any, could a super wise and the most experienced teacher do with a group like that you know would it be night and day could they fix it could they turn it around or is it just that group of kids and that's what it is and it was just I don't want to dwell too much on it but I had my fair share of uh, taking deep breaths and finding the right words to to turn things around but my proudest moment and I'm not super eloquent with my words all the time and this paraphrasing is going to be evidence of that <laughs> failure. But at the end of class, um, I just had them, them sit there and I said, there are so many of you in this class that are doing everything right. You are picking up on everything that we're teaching you. You're quiet, you're focused, and you're doing what needs to be done. And so I hope you don't think that I'm mad at you. But there is enough 
of the people in this room that are doing the opposite and that are getting in the way of learning that I'm really sorry that we have to have a class that doesn't seem so happy like this one. Like Mr. Lippert isn't, isn't in a very good mood right now. And I hope you know that I'm not mad at you. But at the same time, after you leave today, I want you to, to find those people that are making class not so much fun for y'all. And I want you to let them know how you're being hurt by the way that they're acting. And man, I felt like I should have written that down, put it on a t-shirt or something, you know? Um, but it was essentially like, you know, some of our other classes are getting so far ahead and this class is so behind because every day we have to revisit the same procedures and talk about how people are just supposed to basically act in a classroom. But here we are. Um, and so whenever you start to feel jealous that another class is having more fun than you and talking about it at lunch, then I hope you feel that same sense of ownership um, that you are contributing to the reason why your class isn't uh, making so much progress or having fun, whatever I said. And man, I felt fulfilled after that. It was a rough day, but a lot of kids grasp that concept. And today, today was a great class for the most part. Like kids were acting great. And so was that my fault? Like, did I cause them to be like angels today? Probably absolutely not. But I felt good that one, I didn't lose my cool. And second, that I was able to, to calmly, um, kind of just lay down the facts for them. And I hope, I just hope that, that they took that to heart. But those are the struggles I've been having. Um, struggles that maybe the most talented teacher couldn't face. Um, but is one that, you know, I've got to increasingly find some confidence in doing. So anyway, that's the middle school. So a lot of, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of crazy stuff, um, both at the high school and middle school. And honestly, the overall vibe of everything is immaculate. You know, I'm having so much fun. I'm tired. Um, but staying distracted and staying busy is the best thing for me. And uh, we still haven't had our, our conversation about mental health that's upcoming, but it's been so good for my mental health. Um, and so, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope there's uh, something that you could have taken away from that little, little segment. And if you, you have any feedback for those situations, if you're a teacher or just a, a human that wants to assist me with those, or maybe you're somebody that, that lives with an arrhythmia or with glasses, I'd be happy to, to hear your feedback or any tips and stuff to, to help me through that. But that's BLST. Um, from the last two weeks. But now we come to the fun. As I mentioned in the very first episode of BLT podcast, um, I have a fascination with space and traveling amongst the stars and um, even wanted to be an aeronautical engineer and design rockets and spaceships and airplanes and stuff. And so uh, it's really cool for me to, to think about. And whenever uh, Mr. Ward, my colleague, had told me to talk about space facts, I thought we could have some real fun with this. So here we go. This is the Wonders of Space expanded facts segment. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to set a timer for two minutes. Uh, let's, do, let's do three minutes. I've got this giant list of facts provided by ChatGPT. And we're going to just read through, rattle them off, 
and uh, <laughs> see where ChatGPT AI technology brings us as far as these facts go. If they suck, I'm so sorry. They're not my fault. Um, and if they are that terrible after I'm done recording, I might redub it, to be honest, with some cooler facts. But here we go. This is a three-minute timer. Uh, the timer ringtone is going to be Cantina Band from Star Wars because that's on brand. Here we go. So timer starting uh, now. The universe has natural background soundtrack called Cosmic Microwave Background Radiation. It is often described as a faint cosmic hum. So space does have a sound, I see. The beautiful colors of the nebulas that we see in pictures are actually false because they're originally captured in black and white. And color is added later for various scientific purposes. Fake news, I see. Space smells like seared steak, welding fumes, and hot metal due to high energy vibrations and particles brought back inside the spacecraft. Who smelled space, y'all? Who who sat? Who? Did, okay. Saturn would float if you could find a bathtub big enough to hold it because it's mostly made of gas. Very true. The highest mountain known to man is the Olympus Mons on Mars, which is a shield volcano that's 13.6 miles high and 37.3 miles in diameter. Um, a day on Mercury is equivalent to 58 Earth days because it rotates really slow. Uh, light from the sun takes eight minutes to reach Earth, but the energy in those rays started their life over 30,000 years ago. Whoa. There's a planet-sized diamond in space that is left over a remnant of a once massive star. Astronomers have named this star Lucy after the Beatles song, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. I would sing that, but I'm running out of time. There are floating water reservoirs in space that hold more than 140 trillion times the mass of water in Earth. So that doesn't make sense, I thought. Bruh, I thought we had not discovered water in space. Voyager 1 spacecraft is the most distant human-made object from Earth, traveling over a million miles a day. The Apollo astronauts' footprints on the moon will probably stay there for at least 100 million years since the moon has no atmosphere, which means no wind or water, to erode it. The largest asteroid in our solar system is Sears, which makes up more than a third of the asteroid belt's total mass. Um, a spoonful of a neutron star would weigh 6 billion tons. The sun's mass takes up 99.86% of the solar system. Space is just an hour's drive away if your car could drive straight up at 60 miles an hour. Um, let's see. There's a cloud of alcohol in Sagittarius B2 Nebula, which is 463 billion kilometers long. What? Um, Pluto's surface area is smaller than Russia's. Because of the speed at which the universe is expanding, 95% of it is permanently unreachable from Earth. Um, the estimated total number of stars in the galaxy is greater than all the grains of sand on Earth. And last thing, if two pieces of the same type of metal touch in space, they will permanently bond a phenomenon called cold welding. That's my time. Honestly, that was kind of lame, that whole segment. <laughs> But anyway, those are some very interesting facts. The ones that stick out the most is the smell of space. Okay. I still don't understand how somebody just like 
had the genius brains to be like, well, you see, if you do this with particles and there's this and you add this together, then obviously it will make the smell of burnt steak or welding, whatever your choice may be. Like, what? Um, and the, the fact about because of the speed at which the universe is expanding, 95% of it's permanently unreachable from Earth. This is actually a fact that <laughs> Mr. Ward had given me uh, whenever he wanted me to do this this thing. He's like, yeah, one of my favorite my favorite facts is that the universe is expanding so fast that even if you could travel super fast, you could never get to the end of it, which is, which is really cool. It just blows my mind how there is so much knowledge in the universe that is left to be found. You know, there's that fact that we know more about space than we know about our own oceans. But then if that's true, <laughs> I feel like we've not only uh, been living in the dark, not knowing anything about the universe that we live in, but we still don't even know that much about our own oceans, then we barely, 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 barely know anything about the stars. Um, I think one thing that really makes me like this whole notion of, of space is because it is a frontier that we haven't explored a whole lot and that we're continuing to explore. And I grew up with sci-fi. I mentioned before, Star Wars is my favorite kind of uh, segment of media to consume. I grew up watching the original movies, um, the prequels, and the original trilogy. Um, unfortunately, had to watch the sequels um, and have been in love with the TV shows that have come out. But even, even getting to watch SpaceX um, working on going to the moon and to Mars and doing my own light reading and research about, I don't know, how physics in space um, can be tamed by man, you know, with, with rockets and, and what kind of fuel uh, we use to, to get certain places and, and why now that we're going to Mars that SpaceX is using methane um, instead of, you know, just hydrogen. Um, I don't know. It's just some, some really cool stuff that I find a lot of interest in. And so every time that there's a rocket launch or there's some kind of new discovery, I am just like pouncing on it because I love my whole music thing, but man, some, some people got to have other hobbies and other interests. And I guess the one that I just picked was, was space. And I guess to kind of go off of sci-fi and, and movies, uh, and stuff like that, I think part of the reason why I love space and space movies is because there's been some really epic uh, music <laughs> that has been written along with it and you know people finding ways to describe the setting of space and the stars and um, galactic travel um, through music is, is something that's that's really cool um, yeah here's a fact here a full NASA spacesuit costs 12 million dollars and 70% of this cost is for the backpack the moon is lemon-shaped, 
despite its appearance in the night sky, our natural satellite is nowhere near round. In fact, the moon is shaped like a lemon with flattened poles and bulges on both the near and far side of its equator. This strange shape is thought to have been created during interactions with Earth soon after its formation. Lemon-shaped moon. Oh, geez. The Milky Way smells of rum, raspberries, and booze. Uh, in 2009, apparently astronomers were exploring a giant cloud of gas and dust at the center of the Milky Way and made a surprise discovery. The cloud was packed full of a chemical known as ethyl formate, which has a couple of intriguing properties. It is responsible for giving raspberries their flavor and has the smell of rum. Another nearby region is also notable as it's full of ethyl alcohol or ethanol, the type we would use to make alcoholic beverages. It contains enough alcohol to supply every person on the planet with 300,000 pints of beer per day for the next billion years. If bottled at the source, the proof for this beer would be very low. With an alcohol... Who has time to discover all this? <laughs> with an alcohol content of less than 1%. But as the cloud also contains plenty of other nasty chemicals, among them carbon monoxide and hydrogen cyanide, it would leave you with quite a headache in the morning. Jeez Louise. Y'all, I swear that some, some of these people aren't actual scientists, that they're just people that like to come up with random fake, like what? Um... <laughs> You could survive for a couple minutes in a leaky spacesuit. I've seen plenty of movies. That makes sense. Um, oh, here's another one about a teaspoon of a neutron star. One teaspoon of a neutron star is the same as the human population. Black. Okay, this is interesting. Black holes have theoretical opposites known as white holes. Black holes are known for their voracious appetites. Their influence is so strong that even light can't escape their gravity but they have a theoretical converse, white holes. <laughs> that is the least intimidating title for something that's probably super terrifying. You know, like, oh man, we're getting swallowed up by a black hole, like makes me shiver in my boots. But someone's like, oh no, we have a white hole. <laughs> it just sounds like, <laughs> just sounds like an immature joke. Um, these white holes are effectively the opposite of their dark relatives spitting out light and matter instead of trapping it. So far, they are purely hypothetical objects. Astronomers are contemplating how they could form in reality. I guess science kind of operates in this idea that um, if there is something, then there has to be like an opposite, which I guess is like, Oh, if you have a Sith, if you have someone that's on the dark side, then someone on the light side must contradict it. Can we just not exist without having a black hole without a white hole? And yeah, yet again, astronomers are contemplating how they could form in reality. They're purely hypothetical objects. That is literally another example of people that have too much time on their hands. Just sit around asking questions. I'm not hating on scientists, by the way. But that is crazy. Um, let's do one more. Um, okay, the last one. Okay, this would answer my question from earlier. Vast amounts of water have been found in space. Earth's oceans may not be that unique. Three of Jupiter's moons, Europa, 
Ganymede and Callisto and two of Saturn's uh, moons Enceladus, Enceladus <laughs> uh, and Titan are thought to have underwater seas. I had known about Titan. Um, Europa's ocean may contain over twice the volume of water found on Earth. However, the most water ever discovered surrounds a black hole some 12 billion light years away. This region contains a vast amount of water vapor, the equivalent of 140 trillion times the volume of water in Earth's oceans. Okay. So I guess it does make sense that there's so much water in space. Uh, and for giggles, Uranus. Pause for effect. Uranus is the coldest planet in the solar system. Um, <laughs> honestly, I don't even want to read the fact. I just wanted to say that. Neptune is furthest from the sun, uh, plus Pluto. So you might expect it to be the coldest, but Uranus is. Why? It's because um, apparently they don't know why. It just has a bunch of questions. The question is, why is Uranus the coldest planet in the solar system? Could Uranus's plummeting temperatures be related to the planet's atmosphere? Did Uranus lose most of its primordial heat early in its life? Or could it be related to the planet's strange tilt relative to the rest of the planets that orbit our sun? Find out more about the theories in our article. And why is Uranus the coldest planet in the solar system? This is all from BBC Sky at Night, these last couple facts. Um, that was fun. That was absolutely ridiculous. I promise you, unless so many people like this, I will never do that again. I'm done with space. And I think it's time to uh, to kind of wrap up with uh, the movie slash video game uh, of the week and uh, going forth into the next set of, of life's adventures. So um, the game of the week is Spider-Man. Not any Spider-Man. Spider-Man 2 on PS5 just came out. I downloaded it this weekend. And I'm about an hour and a half in. And man, it is an amazing game. Uh, for you non-gamers, I'm so sorry you don't understand. Um, but the Spider-Man games that came out on PS4 and the Miles Morales game that came out a couple years ago have been the pinnacle of game development and just overall fun. Um and so having this brand new installment exclusively for the next generation of console, um, it is a beautiful game. And as a, someone that, who's a nerd about Marvel stuff and, and superheroes, it has just been a whole lot of fun to, to kick bad guy butt and swing from webs and, um, I don't know, entertain the little, little kid that still lives inside of me. So, um, yeah, if you have the opportunity to get that game, um, and you were waiting for the sign from God to get it, go get it. The cool thing that I think about it is it melds some of my favorite parts about different games. You know, it's open world and it's visually stunning. So it reminds me a lot of Red Dead Redemption. Um, it's never going to look or be so detail oriented as Red Dead Redemption, but, um, it has aspects of that, but it also has aspects of combat, you know, like Mortal Kombat or, you know, those old superhero fighting games that, that some of us grew up playing. Um, and so it melds combat and exploration and really great story, plot, and cutscenes. scenes. Um, and so it has been the 
my favorite way to unwind these last few nights, uh, just to play for 20, 30 minutes before bed. And it's been really enjoyable. So that's my, my game of the week. And my movie recommendation of the week is a documentary. You can find it on Max right now called BS High. This is the story, the true story behind the fictitious school, Bishop, uh, Bishop Sycamore, that uh, had garnered a lot of media attention over the last couple years. Um, and if you don't know this story, it's about a team that showed up out of nowhere um, that this high school football team that was nationally televised on ESPN a couple of years ago facing the number one football school in the country, IMG Academy, um, out of nowhere. No one knew who these guys were. They were on national television, the biggest game of the year somehow. And it turns out it's entirely a fluke. The school doesn't exist. The coach is a fraud. Um, the, the kids that go to this so-called school are 20, 21, 22 something years old. Um, Juco dropouts, grown men that are posing as high school students and playing high school football in the Hall of Fame stadium, uh, the NFL Hall of Fame stadium on national television with millions of people watching. It is so embarrassing, but it is such a good documentary because of how ridiculous it is and everything that they point out. Um, you know, kind of the schemes that this coach was was doing to keep his pipe dream alive. And I honestly can't do it any justice talking about it. Um, I think I'm just making it more muddy. Uh, but go watch BS High. It's not very long. It's about an hour and a half um, on Max. I just watched it on a whim. And holy crap, you will not believe the ridiculous things that happen in this uh in this documentary that's real life and the lives that were ruined and I don't know, just kind of the, the setbacks that have happened uh, in people's lives because of this situation. So go check out BSI. That's the movie recommendation of the week. And apart from that, um, that's essentially my piece, shorter episode, I guess. Um, some very random things to talk about. And I don't know. I'm, I'm having mixed feelings about um, this particular episode, but we'll see. This might still be enjoyable for some people. Remember, I please would like for you to interact. Uh, shoot me a message. Shoot me an email. Um, something, if you're listening to this on Spotify, use that Q&A function to, to give feedback. What do you like? Do you like it to be shorter? you know, 30, 40 minutes to an hour. Do you like it to be even longer? Did you like that long form episode of episode two? Do you like this idea of doing a solo podcast uh, only? Do you prefer to do half and half? Or do you think I should just interview people all the time? And not to say that I don't want to continue doing a mix of all three, but as an audience, um, I'm sure that there's a preference and Although that this project is solely for myself and my own diary and just kind of, um, I don't know, podium to talk out loud, um, it, it does matter what people 
want to see and, and want to hear. Um, and so, yeah, I'd appreciate your feedback, um, interact, reach out, all of that good stuff. Um, and looking to the future, I don't know what's, what's coming up next. I know uh, I've got the state marching contest coming up next week. And so that'll be some, some really cool stuff to talk about. It's also homecoming for the university this week. And I'll have uh, several of my friends um, here and nearby that we could, we could chat with. I've got a couple of other people lined up um, that should be some very, um, I don't know, deep topics to talk about and look forward to and sharing their experiences. So um, even if this wasn't your particularly favorite cup of tea, I hope you, you tune back in and continue to give us a shot. I did create a Facebook page about 10 minutes before I made this. Um, it is called the BLT podcast. That's where I'll post updates about the episode and you can interact there and send me messages on there as well. Um, so go find that on Facebook. If not, always link up on Spotify, hit that follow slash subscribe button there or YouTube. And yeah. Um, anyway, thank you all for, for tuning in today. And honestly, I only hope the best for you, um, over the next couple of weeks and, and just in life in general, it's Halloween time. We're one step closer to Thanksgiving and even one more step closer to, to Christmas after that. And so I really hope you're taking care of yourselves, um, that you're finding that creative outlet, that you're not getting completely vortexed into the struggles of life and work. Um, you know, I totally understand how that can happen. And that's the entire reason why I'm here. So take care of yourself. Um, if you ever need somebody to reach out to or talk with, or have any questions about anything um, just related to life, I'm here. I find so much joy in getting to share my life with people, but also to, to be able to listen to theirs and to learn from them and to um, you know provide feedback for them. So anyway, as our cosmic journey draws to a close, I'm reminded that whether in the silent void of space or the heart thumping thrill of a marching band contest were all part of a grand and intricate symphony so space travelers keep exploring keep learning and above all keep listening to the music of the universe chase your stars and remember this universe dances to the beat of your drum thank you for tuning in to the blt podcast and we'll catch you next time